Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We're on episode 143, and today we are talking with uh, Maggie Rowe. Maggie does some work, actually, with the Speaker Lab team, and uh, if you've seen some of the blog posts we've been putting up lately, Maggie's had a lot to do with those behind the scenes and kind of researching and preparing those. So uh, good stuff from Maggie. We got coming to you today. We're going to be talking about a variety of different topics, specifically around the topic of, of writing for speakers. So we talk about you know writing bios for speakers, talk about how to create your your speech and talk titles, how to create talk descriptions. So a lot of stuff that we get into with Maggie that I think you're really going to dig and really going to enjoy. Hey, before we get there, let me also remind you, if you haven't already, every single week we do these free online trainings teaching you about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So if you haven't joined us for one of those, we'd love for you to hop in and check it out sometime. You can go to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Check out what we are up to there. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Again, that just walks through a step-by-step system on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So again, check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Miss Maggie Rowe. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hey, today I'm joined by my friend and a teammate, Miss Maggie Rowe. Maggie's been working on our team for a little while now, and so she helps with a lot of the content behind the scenes for different blog posts and some of the emails and some of the different projects that we work on. And so we decided to have her come hang out with us today to talk about writing and to talk about content and some of the different pieces that uh, speakers need to be thinking through. So hello, Miss Maggie. How are you today? Hi, Grant. I'm wonderful. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. All right. So first of all, before we get into some of this, let's give a quick background and, and just kind of nutshell on, on who Maggie is. And so share like kind of what you've done in the past and then also what kind of what you do now with our team. What I've done in the past. Two, three years ago, I took B-School and I didn't know what I wanted to do, how I was going to make this whole thing work. I was a yeah. stay-at-home mom and I knew I was meant to do something, but I didn't know what exactly. Took B-School, went through the entire course, and found writing. Of course, it was one of those things, oh, I don't really know what I'm good at. And everyone's like, why don't you write? Why don't you write? Why don't you write? And I put a post out on Facebook one day, and people are like raising their hand over and over again. Yes, please help me write my website. Help me write my email sequences. And there it was. I felt like I fell into it. And... Here I am today helping you and loving every minute of it, writing blog posts and helping with email sequences and selling courses and 
it's a lot of fun. Cool. Very cool. We're enjoying working with you. So let's dig into, from a speaker's perspective, there's a couple different things we're going to be talking about. Let's start by talking about bios. All right. So this is something that I get a lot of questions about from speakers is, you know, I'm creating my bio for my website. What all should go in that? Should that be written in first person or third person? Should I actually have someone else write that for me? Uh, Let's kind of talk that through. What all should go in a bio? I think bios have to immediately talk about credibility and who you want to target. They are so important to say, yes, I've worked for, or I've written for the Huffington Post, or you've done the uh, smart passive income, right? Like there's so many aspects that you could hit and credibility, I think is a huge one right away. And then the other part would be who you're talking to. Who is it that you're trying to target? So you can immediately say, okay, this person has credibility and I know they're speaking to me. Right. Right. Along the lines with the, the credibility piece, uh, well, both of those pieces, is it the credibility that you would share really depends on who you're speaking to, right? So for example, a couple years ago when I was doing, I got my start in doing a lot in the education space and speaking at, at high schools and, and colleges. And so what I would share in terms of credibility to, let's say, a high school principal who's considering booking me is very different than what I would put in now trying to get, let's say, a conference or you know, an entrepreneur organization to hire me. So how important is that to be clear up front on like, who's reading this and what's the value they're going to be getting from it? I, it is the utmost importance. Yeah. It has to immediately target that person who you want to talk to. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to Say, I want to reach everyone. I want to talk yeah. to everyone. And it's like the cardinal sin. You cannot talk to everyone. It's not going to work. Identifying immediately who you're going to talk to is going to make or break it. Right. Let's say I have an idea of who I want to be speaking to. So you mentioned the credibility piece. Like, What communicates credibility to a, a potential reader or decision maker? I think any work that you've done, say you have 10,000 people on your list. If there's some sort of community aspect, there's a credibility that says, 10,000 other people did this, 10,000 other people brought this program, that establishes credibility. If you've written for the Huffington Post, if there's any sort of publicity or big brand name that you can associate yourself with, then it immediately says, okay, this person is going to be taken seriously and they probably know what they're doing. If Huffington Post trusts them or if Inc. trusts them, then I should trust them too. Right. Okay. So should it be just, you mentioned like a couple different media potential brands there or companies that you've worked with, what other pieces should be included for credibility that would be, and I guess some of it would, I would assume some of it would depend on the industry. Meaning that like in in some industries, let's say where you went to college in some, in in a lot of industries may mean squat, but in the right industries, it may mean, it may be pretty important, you know? Yeah. I think colleges are also important. Like I went to Temple University for grad school. Okay, credibility right there. Higher level education, big name university. I mean, it it makes sense. So I don't know if I can give like every industry. Every industry has some sort of credible source, has a go-to expert. Like if you say Tony Robbins and you're in the personal development space, I mean, people are going to love you for that. So it doesn't have to be major publications, but it has to be a brand or a name or something that you can quantify that says, ooh, that person's legit. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on first person versus third person when writing a bio? I definitely prefer first person. Why is that? I, I think it's it hits home. It's like, hey, I can help you do this. Not we. When I see we on about pages and I see we in bios, I say, well, who's we? Do you really have a team behind you? Or is it you trying to be bigger than you really are? 
If you have a team, then great. But if you're one person, if your face is the brand of your business, then I would write it in first person. But should it even be, so even if you don't have like, let's say a a team involved with it, but it's, and it's just, it's you, should it be, I fill in the blank or, or should it be grant fill in the blank? I think I, I think I, I think it just makes more sense and people can relate to it. Is it more of a preference thing? It could be, but I feel like it's a connection thing. It's more of an engagement tool when you say, I help you do this versus we help everyone build their brand. What does that even mean? So I like the the interpersonal pieces to it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So bios for websites, what about bios for when it comes to like social media profiles? Is that something that we should be thinking through or concerned with? Or is it, is it just, you know, pull out a sentence or two that, that was already on your site and use it there? No, I would definitely nail this one sentence and use it. Social media profiles, use it on your website. You can use it across LinkedIn, Instagram, everywhere, really, to identify who it is you're talking to, what's the benefit that you provide to them, and how do you help them get there? Gotcha. And so is it okay to use the same like one or two line bio in all those contexts, or is it going to be different depending on the social media platform? I would keep it the same. Okay. Keep it the same. I feel like if you're targeting the same audience, the platform shouldn't change necessarily. How you engage with the person on social media might change, but how you help them, what you do, who you are, doesn't change. Gotcha. Okay. So, all okay, right, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about speech titles because this is something when, when a lot of speakers are working on their talks and their presentations, especially how they communicate that on their their website when potential clients are looking at their site and considering whether or not to hire them or book them for a specific event. Oftentimes, they're going to want to see you know, what we like to refer to as a menu of just a couple of specific options that not just saying like, I speak about customer service or leadership or sales, but typically most clients are going to want to see like some actual specific talks that you could give so that they're able to determine if that's a good fit for their audience or for their event. So let's start by talking about the, uh, well, actually, let me ask you this. If I'm working on a talk uh, and I got kind of a rough idea of it and I'm thinking about how to describe it, should I start with the title? Should I start with the description? Should I start with the outline? Like where, what kind of sequence should those pieces come in? Outline. I would definitely start with an outline first because Sometimes the title, sometimes it it goes either way, depending on the person. I can know the title right off the bat and say, yes, this thing, this is exactly what I'm going to write about. Other times I will write the outline, write the entire post and go back and spend 20, 30 minutes just working on the headline after it's already been done. So I would definitely start with an outline on what you want to talk about. What's the intention? Where do you want this post to go? What's going to be important for the reader when they're reading it? Once you have the outline, you could even do a rough draft at that point. I would write the title at that point, write the like with the, the description or the subtitle or what some people call the H2 on their website. So I typically go outline, headline, description. But from a part. from a like from a speech title perspective? If you a speech title perspective, I would write the speech, write it, and then you'll know exactly the pieces to the puzzle in it and then create the headline afterwards. Okay. So once I, let's say I've got an outline or I've got even the the whole talk done there, how do I begin to boil down what that title should be or what that, let's start with the title. How would I know what what that title should be and what, what should be included in that? The benefit. There should be some sort of hook and benefit that goes along the title. It's the first thing people are going to see when they're experiencing your work or being exposed to you. They 
how is this person going to help me? Why do I need to come to this talk? Why do I have to sit in the audience and listen to this person? And most people want to know, are they talking to me? And what am I going to get out of it? So those are the hooks, the audience, and then the benefit. What would be some examples of that? Examples? Uh, uh, Like talk titles. I mean, you hear them everywhere, right? List post, how-to post. And I say post lightly. I mean headline and for example, you could say 10 ways to charge more for your next speaking engagement. If that's going to be a title, 10 elements to a successful keynote speech. You could say, I don't know what, give me a topic that you would. So if you're speaking, if you were speaking on, let's say customer service and you wanted to help, if you were speaking on customer service and how like thank you cards make a difference with customer service, I'm just making that up. So (laughs) what, like what what could be a a topic along those lines or a, a title along those lines? Customer service, thank you. Let's see. Now, this is off the top of my head. I got to, this takes a while. This is kind of hard to do. This so, is how the sausage is made. You got to work This is how the sausage is made. <laughs> okay. So, I would say, okay, customer service, thank you cards. What's the benefit they're going to get from it? What feeling are they going to get when I send them a thank you card? Give me an example. How would you feel? Excited, happy, overjoyed, what? Yes, those things. All yeah. of those? Yeah, yeah. Uh, appreciated, valued. All right. Acknowledged. S- Acknowledge. So, and you are giving a speech to customers. Who's in the audience? So it's probably something that you could do in a couple different types of industries, right? So you could speak to a group of realtors about that, and you could speak to a group of dentists about that. You could speak to gas station owners about that. Perhaps I don't know. So uh, probably uh, probably like individual service providers, like professional service providers. Real estate. So let's just pick real estate because that's one of the ones you said. So. If you're giving a speech to a real estate agent and you're saying how to say thank you to the people that just bought your house, you could say 10 ways to appreciate your customers on the sale of your next home. Shorten it down, I would think, but definitely give them or 10 key elements to a thank you note for the sale of your home. Or I don't know, you kind of have to put the sale in there. So this is definitely something you need to work through. And so at 10 elements or five, five elements, I'm, I'm writing this down as you go. People should definitely be writing things down as they like, is, um, it, is it good to just, it. I mean, literally to even just kind of like brainstorm in terms of scribbling out ideas and words and phrases on a whiteboard or yes. piece of paper and just kind of like playing with different combinations of words and yes, always, always. This is what takes 30 minutes, right? That these right. aren't. These don't happen in five seconds or less. This is why it's so important to spend time on it. Definitely scribble things down like that. I immediately got out my piece of paper. I'm like, okay, here's my audience. Here's the benefit. Here's what we're the topic that we're talking about. And you play with the words. You go back and forth. Should the talk title change each time you're so if I give pretty much the same talk and that's what one of the things that we teach is that most speakers are going to be giving the same pretty much the same talk and it may change slightly depending on the context. So just you know the if I'm giving a talk on customer service to realtors, it may. You know, there's maybe a few interchangeable words there that may sound different if I'm talking to a group of dentists, but the nutshell of the talk is going to be the same. Should mm-hmm. I change the title depending on who I'm, I'm speaking to? I would think. Unless it's general, but you don't want it to be general. You want it to be specific for your audience. And you know the, like the emotion might be the same if you're sending a thank you card from a realtor or a dentist. Yes, the thank you that the person's going to get is going to be the same, but the industry might change. So I like to be specific and say for realtors, for real estate agents, for dentists, that audience is saying, Ooh, that's me. That's immediately what I think in my head. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So if I am, if I've got my talk concept or kind of the, the talk title, I'm kind of thinking through there, then what should be in that description? If I've got just basically a one paragraph description there, what should I be including in that to really communicate what the talk is about? So, I mean, ideally a potential client is going to see that on the site and say, that's what I need. That's what I want to book. That's we need this for our group. What should be included in there? I would think a, a pain point or a problem and then the benefit. So here's your problem. You kind of paint the picture and then here's what's going to happen at the end of this talk. So you give them like the before and the after, mm -hmm. and then in the middle is you solving the problem and coming to the end solution. Okay. So it just, I don't even know how we could, it depends on the talk. It would say, okay, a very short summary, but not boring. It has to be engaging. It has to be fun for people to read and say, Ooh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's exactly what I want to listen to. I want to know how he's going to solve this problem for me in 40 minutes, an hour talk, whatever it is. How do you know when you've got that part down, right? Because yes. if, I, if I'm kind of reading it, it's, it's one of those things like, I remember hearing someone say one time, like, it's like trying to read the label on the jar from inside the jar. Like you're just so close to it. Like you're not seeing <laughs> it properly, right? So you have to really get outside of it to determine is this really what people are looking for and is this scratching the itch people have so how do you kind of determine that to determine if if you got it or if you're there both with talk title and with description ask ask friends you have to have the community the community of people is going to be very important for how you move forward because again i'm i'm on the inside there's no way it sounds great to me or it could sound like complete crap it doesn't matter it's you have to get a third party opinion and walk away from it you got to walk away for at least 24 hours so that you can say, okay, I get back to it. Yeah, I still like that. If And a lot of people say, I really want to buy my own stuff. If you want to buy your own things, then you know you've got it. If not, go back to the drawing board. So if you're asking other people's opinions, though, like if you're asking, let's say, just some friends or family members or someone or something like that, how important, though, is it to get feedback from actual like potential clients? Because if I'm trying to speak to realtors and I get some feedback from my cousin or my mom who's going to say nice things about me, but doesn't really necessarily know through the lens of a realtor, like, is that feedback going to actually be any value? I would say no. I don't talk to my family and friends about much <laughs> that I do at all. My, my parents, I was talking to my grandmother the other day and she's like, I still really don't know what you do. <laughs> so don't ask your family and friends if they don't know your business because yeah. it's not going to be helpful feedback at all. But that's why community is so important. And it's beautiful to be online and to have Facebook groups and to be in these LinkedIn or boards with Pinterest. It's, it's incredibly powerful to be able to ask people that are in the niche that are going to actually buy your services. Right, 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 right. Okay, so you mentioned like basically that description should be presenting the problem and presenting the solution. So how am I trying to sum that up though in just a couple of sentences of what that problem, what that solution is? I don't know if it would be a problem solution. It would be problem benefit. Okay. Here's the problem that you're having. Oh, you're having problems selling your house. I don't know. It's the dead of winter and they don't know how they're going to get more people to list their home in January when it's snowing the benefit would be selling your house in January or how to get the commissions in when, when sales are down type type. Of, so it's not a problem solution. The solution would be your talk. Yeah. That's how you're going to solve the problem for them. The benefit would be what feeling are they going to get at the end of it? Are they going to increase their email list? Are they going to get more people in the seats of their next gig? And that's, that's really what they're like, Ooh, I 
absolutely want to go sit and learn and listen to what he has to say because he's going to teach me how to get more people in the seats. Cool. Okay. Let's shift gears and talk about this for a second. You are someone who you obviously have a lot of experience on the the blogging side. How important do you think it is for speakers to be blogging? And and, and then I guess some follow-up questions would be like, you know, how often should they be blogging? What should they be blogging about? What What are your thoughts there? Well, I would, I would say if you hate blogging, don't blog. If yeah. you love to write, write. And if that's the communication piece that you want to get out into the world, like I always felt like I had so much to say, but only writing would be able to get it out there for me. I could sit and talk and okay, but I needed to get my voice out into the world. And that's why I feel like blogging works for me. But right. if it doesn't work for them, I would never force anybody and say, you have to blog. It's going to be the only way you're going to build your business and get exposure. I wouldn't say that. Maybe podcasting is better for people. Maybe doing video is better for some others. So I think what's more important, not necessarily how you get your message out there, but getting your message out there on a consistent basis and doing the piece that you love. If you love to write, then write. If you love to speak, then take video of yourself and get it out on that platform, but do it consistently. Right, right, right. How would that move the needle for speakers in terms of uh, whether it's whether you said uh, having a, a written blog or whether it's an audio podcast or whether it's, you know, just video clips on Facebook or YouTube or Facebook Live or whatever? What's the point of doing that regular content? The regular content is brand awareness, getting out there and, and becoming somebody that adds value to someone else's life and says, oh, I really like the way he said that or that story resonated with me. The importance is you want to get gigs, you want to expose yourself to people that you want to get in front of. And I would do in front of the right audience. If you know your audience is not on Pinterest, then don't go there. Yeah. You know, do it on the platforms where you know your your audience exists, your ideal audience too, not just any audience that, oh yeah, I think I want to talk to corporations. If you don't have experience in that, then then please don't do, then don't do that. Right. Right. And uh yeah, so I, I think getting out there in, in anybody's world is always important because you're you're sharing a message. Hopefully your message actually has value that is going to help change their lives. How do you find the balance between um, the the method and medium that you want to communicate with, meaning that you want to use, you like writing, for example, I'm just thinking, or let's say, let's say this, you like doing YouTube videos, and that's your preferred method of communication, but the type of audience that you speak to or that you want to connect with typically doesn't watch YouTube videos from, you know, what you, you can tell. Like, how important is it to find that the, the balance between what the, the method that you want to communicate, the means that you want to communicate versus what the audience that you want to communicate to is actually receiving and used to? There is that balance, right? There is that, well... I know what I want to do, but if you're only doing what you want to do, you're going to be standing on an island alone. Right. I mean, really, if you have, if you know that you're, if you like video, but you're really good at YouTube, then guess what? Instagram also has video now. Facebook also has video now. So you might have to learn a new platform because your audience is there, but to me, it's worthwhile. I mean, you have to go to them. It's not all about you. It's really about them. But it's finding a medium that is is acceptable to you that you can say, okay, you know what? I still like video, but I don't have to do it on YouTube. I could find other we- ways to get it out there. How often should you be communicating via, whether it's a blog or video or audio, or wh- how often is enough and how much is too much? What's the right amount there? 
that is completely up to the person. It, on general terms, I would say once a month at minimum, every two weeks, every week, whatever is comfortable to you and your schedule. But it has to be, your audience has to know when to expect it. And if you set the schedule, you know, you, you need to show up for them. Gotcha. You cool. need to. Yeah. All right, Maggie, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where, where can we go? MaggieMorleyRow.com. <laughs> what was that? MaggieMorleyRow.com. It needs to be revamped, but we'll get there. Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E-M-O-R-L-A-Y, Row, R-O-W-E.com. And uh, yeah, you could also find me on Facebook at MaggieMorleyRow.com or MaggieMorleyRow on Facebook or Maggie M. Row on Instagram are usually the ones that I hang out on. Awesome. Cool. Well, Maggie, we appreciate the time. Appreciate the work that you do for the Speaker Lab and uh, appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts and insights here. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging out. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Miss Maggie Rowe. Like I said, she does some uh, some work with the Speaker Lab team and great gal and does uh, some really great work. We really appreciate her and appreciate her uh, sharing some of her wisdom and insights with us. So, hey, like I mentioned to you at the top of the show, make sure if you haven't already, you definitely check out freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. We'd love for you to join us as we teach every single week about how to find and book paid speaking engagement. So definitely check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com speakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 143. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.